0: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle, as well as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Also, check us on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. Also, check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that one out for the latest content without a paywall. And check out our great sponsors. That includes prize picks. Use the code FIVE, F-I-V-E. get your initial deposit matched up to $100. You can play two, three, four, five six even six players together you can also again mix sports which is really cool this time of year nba and nfl play them together mma as well there are no rollovers so literally use that code five, F-I-V-E you get your initial deposit matched up to 100 and you can use it immediately so go to prize picks google play store apple app store and prize use that code f-i-v-e and now tonight's
2: episode
3: down to Yay. Uh
1: five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Well, here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, rain, bubble frogs. Just like Butter said, you in trouble, all Check the floor playing. Got a whole band. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. Impact and Pat, with trust, is power have the guts. We here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up.
2: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Silvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reason Sports Network.
0: All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor on the Five Reason Sports Network. Here's today's floor plan. We got the entire crew here today. I'm actually out of town. I'm up in uh, Boston, but we got Greg in his usual home. We've got Alex. We've got Brady Manning uh, down in South Florida. We're going to talk about the bigs tonight. Uh but not Bam out of bio. It's not a Bam out of bio episode, but this is a how do they complement Bam best as a backup so that they can kind of escape what have been their worst minutes of the season. We will talk about those uh as we go forward. Do they have a viable option there and then also does that viable option possibly free up some situations for trades? Uh as we go forward into the trade deadline, but more specifically January 15th, which is when all of their contracts, the heat's contracts will be vested based on off season signings. And they'll be able to essentially trade the entire roster if they want to, we're going to get to the trade stuff later because for them to make a trade of a big, someone like a Dwayne Dedman and his contract, you have to actually have other bigs on the roster who can play because obviously without bam on the floor, they haven't had Omer Yurtsevin. We're going to talk about him a little bit tonight, um, they really don't trust Nikola Jovic for big minutes. We've seen him start, but he never plays more than about 15, 18 minutes uh, under Eric Spolstra. And again, Yurtsevin's been out since surgery in training camp. So they need one other guy to emerge and uh, maybe two other guys. Okay. As we go forward here and Orlando Robinson is somebody that caught our attention even before he signed uh, that this was somebody that the heat had their eyes on. Uh, a mobile big who went undrafted. He flashed a little bit in training camp, uh, but we weren't really sure where that would go. And again, there was more focus on Yurtsevin. He went back down to the G League. He did some good things there, but now he's come up and he seems much more confident, comfortable, and there was a lot to like. And he kind of broke out with this 15.9 rebound game uh, in the win against Minnesota. And he did it. And as much as we mock Rudy Gobert, he's still a defensive player of the year. And Orlando Robinson did it against Rudy Gobert. So uh, we're going to go to the basketball stuff on this first. Uh, Brady and Alice, I want to get to you guys, and then we're going to get into some of the ramifications of this with Greg as we go uh, look ahead to to uh, trade deadline, et cetera. Um, what do you like, Brady?
2: Yeah, I mean, with Orlando Robinson himself, I feel like he's just steady enough right now, and he hasn't even had a lot of minutes. I was just looking at some of the base stats. Uh, he had a 32 minute game, which is kind of his first NBA game was that game in Washington where they just had nobody. They, they barely lost that game, but he was really solid in that one. If we think back to it, he had 14 points, just based stats. He had seven boards, uh, but he was like closing that game when everybody had eyes on Nikola We fast forward to the next game that he played high minutes was recently in Houston. He had a 35 minute game. Uh, he was, I know we, we finished that game up and it was like all Tyler talk because Tyler just went crazy in that game. He had the historic night in general, but Orlando Robinson was like pretty sneaky, very good in that game in his role. Uh, he had nine points in that game with six boards. Uh, and then the last game is kind of the third game that he played high minutes. These are, there's basically been three instances and this pass was kind of his best game. I'd say from top to bottom, I'd say with what he can do, uh, I don't really like when he stretches the floor too much just because he's that good inside the paint. Like that's always been his game. So like when guys that early start stretching out too much, it becomes problematic. The last night we saw him basically, he, his role was simple. Like he was basically just going to keep rolling when they were going to blitz Tyler, they were going to blitz Kyle. Uh, he makes himself available on the roll. It was something I was talking about a lot because usually younger bigs, like they get in there, they set a screen and they sprint. Like they're, they're just running a hundred miles an hour to the basket. Like, he's very, like, methodical and slow about his reads. Like, he kept getting it on the roll, and he kind of take his time. He'd take a dribble, he'd lay it in. Uh, it got to a point in that game where they were running actions through, them, which they love to do. They don't care who you are. If you're a big man with just some type of base playmaking skills, they are going to use you as a playmaking hub. And they were running stuff for uh, specifically for Duncan, where they would put Orlando Robinson, like the elbow, and they'd run stuff, handoffs, and, and different things of that nature, which they did a lot with Yurtston last year. Uh, but there's just a lot of things to like is, is touch it's touch around the basket. Uh, and then it it's really comes down to, as we talk about what we've been seeing with with Deadman. when we watch him in any of these games, and specifically his past ones, that's what we're talking about. Nothing felt clunky, like at all. Like when he's out there, like it, it went pretty smooth for the most part. Like we could talk about his efficiency. He was 7 of 9. We could talk about all that. But it's like what I've been saying is like, you are never in a million years going to match Bam on a Bios production. Like if you're a backup big in this league, that's you're always trying to stay neutral for the most part and not go too far into the negative. But it's even tougher with what Bam does defensively. But it, it gets to a point where you just have to become neutral as possible. And, and when the ability just not get in the way, it feels like it, it's as simple as that, like not doing too much, not pushing, just playing a specific role. It feels like he can do that. So I'm interested, I guess, Uh, The question becomes, I know we're going to get into a lot of different angles of this, but the question becomes, as much as the fans are talking about this, as much as we're going to be talking about this, when Dwayne Deadman returns, is he going to be the backup big again? I think it's very possible that we we see that at the beginning, but uh, I think right now it's fun to talk more Orlando Robinson because I think everybody wants to see him, and I don't think there's that much uh, of a difference. I guess it's just a younger guy with more upside uh, and more ability to do different things.
0: Yeah. And the one thing that I think we need to make clear here as we move forward uh, later into more of Greg's portion of this is that the heat don't really do the showcasing guys thing. Like we talked all year about Duncan Robinson and fans are like, well, I have to play him because there are reasons to play Duncan Robinson. Okay. But the reason to play Duncan Robinson is not so that other teams can see what he can do. Other teams know what he can do. This is, this showcasing idea is a pretty stupid concept, honestly. I mean, unless it's a, unless it's a really young player that nobody has seen at this level. And you need to see like what he can do against certain types of players. I get it. But somebody like Duncan Robinson is established at this point as a shooter, what he is and what he isn't. Dwayne Dedman at this stage is established. I mean, they basically picked him up, you know, he doesn't like to say, but off the couch, essentially uh, a couple of seasons ago. Okay. So there's no reason to play Dwayne Dedman to showcase him, to show that he could still be a valuable second or third center For another team, everybody knows what he is and what he isn't. And honestly, he's less than he was two years ago. And so, and he's less for this roster. So there's no reason to really push that. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're going to put Denman back in at the very beginning when he comes back. I, I think that this team, I think there is a recognition that they need to start leaning in a bit of a different direction here and look for some new options because it has gotten stale. I have talked about this, talked about it on the podcast, on the, on the stream last night. That is the word that gets used a lot about this, this season and not just from us or from the fans. It's, it's the players. It's the people around the players. It just, they need an injection of life. What kind of injection of life can Alex can Orlando Robinson provide as a player?
3: I mean, it's, it's tough, right? Because you don't expect him to do a lot, but it's like what Brady was talking about there. I don't think the baseline is to be, Bam out of bio in the minutes that you're on the floor. The baseline is to just survive those minutes and to be a good productive back of five. And and look, Dwayne Dedman provided that for I don't know, let's let's be let's be generous, about two seasons or so, right? And that's good and and fine. He is playing through planner for right now. And the numbers bear it out. I I know I mentioned it all over the place, but just looking at it now, updated, negative 9.53 net rating when he's on the floor. They are just getting destroyed when he's on the floor. And that's it's been a large enough sample size now. Like by, by this point in time, we know what he is and what he isn't, like you said. And the problem is uh, it's not even solid enough anymore. Like they have to do something about it. And I think it would be nice if Spo were to play Orlando Robinson more and we can get a little bit more of a sample size of what he is and isn't. As of right now, and like the, the limited amount of time he's gotten. They're absolutely killing it with him on the floor. Right. Like and he's not necessarily out there playing with all the starters all the time. It's not like he's in these cushy lineups that and the heat by, you know, by no means have dominated a net rating and kind of at all this season. So the fact that they're a plus eight point forty with him on is already impressive to me. He's done it in kind of every aspect that you want a big who fits in with the rest of the guys. Like, he, he's checking off all the boxes. He's doing it as a roller. He's doing it as a rebounder. He's doing it as a rim protector. He's got him some steals. He's done it as a playmaker, like Brady was talking about there, like just making the right passes and doing the right things and just being extremely active and, you know, just running the floor. We were talking about it together watching the game last night, and it's just a breath of fresh air watching him on the floor, man. Like, it's just really nice to have another athletic guy who's out there on both ends of the floor, just trying his ass off, man. And again, it's not just to, you know, talk down on Deadman, because I do think, like, the fact that he's older and playing through plantar fasciitis, like, that's just really tough, man. Like, I can't imagine what that's like. So, you know, like, for all we know, if he was a little bit healthier, it wouldn't be such a disaster when he's on the floor, but it just is what it is at this point. And so with that being what it is, with the Omer Yurtsevin situation being what it has been, you know, and, also, we know that Spo is not necessarily trying to play Nikola Jokic more as a five. I think you know right now in the short term, when guys are back, I think the move is to play Orlando Robinson. We know that they will play their young guys, Greg. Like that
0: they we've seen that over the past few years. Like this narrative of well, the, the Heat won't play young players, which was kind of a Pat Riley first round pick narrative. We've joked that, and I think there is truth to this that they're more likely to give a longer leash to undrafted players than to their first round picks. Like this has been a consistent thing. So they will plug in an undrafted guy. And I think sometimes it's because they want to see what they have. I I, I feel like not for the other teams, but for them, they want to see, do we have a viable option here? And I feel like that's what this is like the Deadman injury with the plantar fasciitis. And look, that's very, very difficult to play through. I mean, all the way back to Tim Hardaway, he players who've had that have struggled with it, Um, but it, it it doesn't bothering him all season to this degree and the numbers were bad. So it feels like this, this has a two-pronged effect here. It's kind of like, all right, we need an injection of life now with a different kind of player at that position, but also we, we need to see if we trade Deadman and, you know, if we have somebody else that we can play and also do we have a guy that we want to continue to develop? Because they really haven't done a great job of developing bigs. I mean, we, they have done uh, – if you look at the undrafted guys that they've developed, it's been shooters like and Robinson, wings like like you go back to a Rodney Magruder, uh, you know, Tyler Johnson. Uh, the one big that they developed, so to speak, was Hassan Whiteside until they overpaid him. There's not a lot there. I mean, even go back to the LeBron. No credit era, for like, Bam. Like, who's that?
3: no credit for bam well I, I,
0: but he's a first-round pick that's not what that's i'm talking about they've been bear.
1: spending all their attention on bam think yeah that's no, what i'm,
0: I'm, I'm talking about developing to. guys that, that were undrafted or came to them you know as we talk about them kind of mining guys yeah i mean even even through heat history that hasn't really been a strength i mean ike austin was one you're going back you know 25 years at this stage uh more than that actually uh well something roughly that uh, they, they, haven't, they haven't really done a lot of that. Like Gabe Vincent, they found a point guard. they had trouble finding point guards in recent years too. They yeah. went through a stretch where they found a bunch, Anthony Carter, Mike James, et cetera. You know, even Ray for Alston was kind of a reclamation project, but to develop a big, to me, that has more value. Like I, if, if they can get a guy who's a versatile player in the modern NBA, who has a motor, um, didn't cost them anything. And seems like he could play the four or the five, which I, I think is is beneficial here. E- either way, different lineups. Uh, there, there's a real there's a real uh, benefit to that. And again, as we're going to get into the second part of this episode, it frees them up a lot.
1: Yeah, here here's the thing with Orlando Robinson. Like like, let's not overstate what he can be immediately, but if he can be just a playable option right now, and then a player that you have in your pipeline that's a big that eventually can become a reserve big that you can count on. And the fact that he doesn't appear to be a player that could be played off the floor that easily uh, as a big man, that is encouraging to me. So to me, you're right about them, not necessarily having a good track record with uh, developing a ton of bigs. UD should get credit for being a big uh, as the leading rebounder in heat history. Um, But uh, I get what you mean with like, you know, suit like centers to um, Orlando Robinson is a guy that uh, this is the perfect opportunity for them to just throw him out there. See what he can do. Uh, they need, like you said, an injection of um athleticism the length the uh just being hungry I think is good to see this team needs to see guys that like want to fall on the floor uh for their job because like maybe not everybody feels like that's necessarily a situation that they're in at this current moment so uh I'm excited about it for now um and then this is the other implication if they have to make a trade yes that's one thing but also if you have a good big in the pipeline you don't have to use your pick on a big, and you could go in a different direction because this team has lots of things that they need to add, and um, big would not be my favorite thing to focus on in a draft coming up, and they own their pick, so uh, so that's why I also want Orlando Robinson to succeed. Well, and one of the things
0: they need is athleticism, just generally throughout the roster, and that is something that this draft uh has a lot of, apparently. We'll, we'll obviously gonna wait a little bit to dig in, in the draft. We're gonna see how. College basketball plays out. It's not something I'm probably going to do for three, four months uh, here, actually. But I, I, I do think as, as we look forward, they just need to become, again, a more athletic team uh, I, and younger in some spots. Even their, um, even their developmental projects are older players, right? Like because we're going to have a conversation later in the week about Struce and Vincent and who you extend, if you extend either, maybe who you trade. But they were both older players when they came to Miami. Duncan Robinson, older player, that tends to be the case. Orlando Robinson, well, how old is he? Is he twenty-two? This stage, twenty-three. He's not. He doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like he's as old as some of the guys that they've had here previously. Twenty-two. So, so all right. So, so they're in a little better position here with him. Uh, and you know, with twenty-two big, he's, is really
1: good. Ethan. It's
0: really good. And you you have a long timeline with him to to kind of uh, you know make him into something. And and you know we've seen them have success with with some bigs in their thirties. You get a guy in their 20s and you have a couple of years, you have him under control, uh, team control at, at a cheap price. That's a good thing here. All right. We're going to talk into the implications, though, of the trade deadline for this and whether or not you're comfortable uh, kind of going with him. And maybe, uh, you know, again, not not uh, being as concerned about trading Dwayne Denman, whether he's playing well or not. Before we do I want to tell you about another great sponsor, of the five reason sports network. It's Mobile. C arm and staffing services. Okay, it's mobile C arm and staffing services. What do they do? They rent the C arm equipment on a long and short term basis to hospital surgery centers, chiropractic offices, and pain management offices. They also offer cadaver lab courses. Our friend Nelson can tell you all about it. He's been on the podcast with us. He's a big Miami Heat fan, great guy. And all you got to do is go fill out the form. So go check it out. It's www.carmandstaffing.com. That's www.c c-armandstaffing.com or call Nelson directly on his cell. I can tell you answers right away. 561-891-9620. That's 561-891-9620, c-armandstaffing.com. Again, uh, call Nelson today and he'll help you out. We also want to tell you about our betting partner. It's betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN there. That's the number 5 RSN, you get $20 to play right away. It is peer to peer betting. It is legal in 45 states, including the state of Florida. So, getting up towards the NFL playoffs is something you want to do as well as the NBA. And we run competitions there too. And again, they don't have the rollovers either. Okay. So, 20 bucks, they will give it to you right away. They'll put it right into your account. Again, betteredge.com. That's B E T T O R edge.com. Use the code five. That's the number five, R S N. for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Heat. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Bravo. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for 2 bucks in the app.
2: Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit mcdee app for details. Available at most restaurants
3: in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers.
0: So, Greg, I'm going to go to you first on this, this time around because, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. There are different trigger dates in the NBA calendar, right? And this has become one. <laughs> it's it's the time when you have all your chips on the table. All right. So let's try to characterize some of these chips, because we know that the Duncan Robinson chip is a negative asset at this stage. Right. It is you're, you're trading extra years of his contract. If you deal him at a high number, you were going to use that contract to possibly fill out a trade for a bigger time player before if you could uh, attach a bunch of picks. Duncan has made some contributions of late. He does have some value to the heat. I think we can have a reasonable argument about whether or not they'd be better off with him playing more, but he's not going to live up to that contract in Miami. We know that it's, it's just not, it's, it's not in the cards. Okay. We, we know the direction they're going. And I think it's going to be, he's going to be kind of a cautionary tale as we talk about the Strews and Vincent contracts later in the week, kind of on the direction that you go with a player like that. And do you do like something like that again uh, or send anything close to that? Deadman's a little bit of a different story here because the numbers a lot lower, right? So go through the contract, what it means, and what the implications are for a possible trade.
1: So Dwayne Deadman was brought back and obviously was a veteran presence, a front court guy that was going to be able to be a backup. Um, but also he was brought back on a $4.7 million expiring contract. And so it's not a coincidence that he's also um a a viable trade chip as an expiring deal. Uh, $4.7 million obviously is not going to go out and retrieve you a superstar in a trade, but it can be a piece of a trade, uh, of a larger trade, and it can fill gaps uh, in between salary matching. And with him being expiring, also with him being like the utmost professional as a as a person and as a player, I think that any organization that gets him and and has him for the balance of this season is not going to regret that experience. So, um, to me, I I think that that's the biggest part of this, and this is everyone I think expects them to maybe go for the home run swing. And I don't even know really what that looks like. And then the second most talked about thing is moving Duncan, but that was, that will, any Duncan situation is likely going to have to include that 2023 pick. Like mm-hmm. I just don't see a, any way around that. So I think we're looking at a smaller types of deals. So Dwayne Dedman and maybe, um, if you have to dangle Struus or Vincent, which we're going to talk about later in the week, who you choose and who you don't, um, Yurtsevin obviously is injured now. Uh, I've heard he could be back as soon as March, which is really optimistic, and maybe that changes how you think about we, him. We but kind of buried
0: all- the lead here. I should have set you up with that the first. No, but it, it's
1: fine because like he also could be included in a deal or mm-hmm. not. But to me, like I think that this much more is a chip that could get them uh, a stop gap in the front court that is functional on another team um it's just a matter of if a bigger trade starts brewing then this could all be thrown out the window so that's why it's very like just preempted to talk about it right now um alex, january let's, 15th let's,
0: well yeah alex let's look at it let's look at it this way okay uh if they were to trade him then again there could be package deals or anything like that it doesn't have to be just one guy uh, that's not a big number, right? Like just Deadman alone. I mean, you're not getting an elite guy in front court for Deadman's expiring contract. Okay. Uh what kind of player would you want? And, and how how would Orlando Robinson's emergence play into that if again this continues?
3: Yeah, so that's the thing right there. And I really agree with what Leif was saying before that, like, if if all of a sudden Orlando emerges as somebody who is a viable backup five, which is really just what you need, right? Like, even if he's young and he's new to this, if he continues to play, it doesn't have to be at, you know, this rate where he's, you know, a monster on the stat lines, to be frank, for, for what he is, he's been, you know, the, the couple of times he's had extended playing time, he's he's really showed it on the stat line. So it's not only just, oh, stuff that 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 isn't counted, that isn't quantifiable. Like, it's I don't expect him to continue putting up insane numbers or anything like that. All you need him to be is viable and good and survive those minutes, right? And so that's possible, all of a sudden, you don't have to uh, invest in and possibly trade one of those assets for a five, like we've talked about in other pods. And I think, you know, maybe just going all in on a four who you really feel good about if you're the heat, right? Somebody who you think can help solidify and just kind of stabilize everything that they have, right? I think, you got to find somebody who's out there and somebody you feel good about. And I think that's, you know, we've been talking about this over and over for so long now, but I think between that and hopefully, you know, I think they should take a look at trying to upgrade their shooting situation because they, um, I don't think are going to continue to play Duncan a lot of minutes or anything like that. When everybody's back, I think they should try to upgrade their, their shooting situation. Shout out John Crotty. Uh, just because I think what they have right now has kind of been a little bit adjusted for. So if all of a sudden, you know, you're not worried about having to trade for a backup five, you can kind of focus a little bit on the shooting and getting another four who is a two-way player who helps you and stabilizes the rotation, things of that sort. So, you know, that's kind of where I stand right now. But the, the Deadman thing is, like what Leif was talking about, it would be a smaller part of a bigger trade. He's not going to get you somebody on your own. you would probably have to pair him with Duncan, pair him with... Maybe one of your other players that he mentioned there pair him with perhaps that first round pick. And then, you know, you can try to stabilize the rotation that way. Hopefully grab a, a couple of guys who can help you out in the short term, but that's kind of what I'm thinking about.
0: We've talked about uh, a couple of these guys who make in that range. Greg's posting them in our chat here. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt makes 4.3 million Grant Williams, somebody we've discussed, although he's going to require a longer term deal. Uh, 4.3 million. Torrey Craig makes 5 million. He seems like the kind of versatile player they would like. And we have discussed PJ Washington before he makes 5.8 million. So this is all about possibly taking a contract that goes out a little further than Deadbins but you're also trying to move a contract in Robinson's that goes out further and is more money than those deals. So, I mean, there's a lot of kind of moving parts here, uh, Brady, would you agree with Alex though, that if, I mean, let, let's say even Robinson is, is functional and developing uh, and let's even say that you're getting Yurt back in March. though, let's be honest, we don't really know what we're getting back in, 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 in Yurt because we don't even know how that was going to look like the bam Yurt stuff. They didn't have a long time to work on it. It didn't look great when Spolster threw them together in a starting lineup once uh, in the preseason. So I, we don't really know what that is. I mean, we, we know what Yurt provided in, in the minutes he got last season, but w- would you say that if Orlando Robinson is functional, do they still need another big there? Or, or, or do you lean towards what Alex is talking about, which is, okay, go get a shooter.
2: Well, or I think if
0: Duncan goes out, I guess.
2: Yeah, that would be – I guess it would depend. But I think more of the shooting four type is probably more important. But I think the extra piece would be an extra big. Like the, they could very much use an extra big. I think the fact – you bring up Omer, what he's not – what he may – Or may not look like. uh, What I can say is, whatever he looks like is better. Whatever they have right now, so like they're going. Whatever he is, it's something to utilize at that point. The other point is that, uh, and I know right now they don't sit very comfortably in the playoff standings. But if you're focusing on a playoff run, we know the direction that Spoh is going to lean eventually in that stance. So I don't think they're going to be overly. I'll say focus on like adding these extra bigs in general, just because we know the direction they're going to go. They're going to go eight man rotation. They're going to go lower and lower minutes for whatever backup big they're playing. I know there's been talk about like, do you trust an Orlando Robinson and draft a guy who has no, has not played at all. If he's to be thrown in a first round series in the playoffs, Orlando Robinson, if he does play would probably be playing a total of seven and a half minutes. Exactly, like, it, It's not going to be uh, like a crazy thing. So I think to Alex's point, those are more of the guys and the names you were just mentioning are probably more important. It's the guys that can actually fit, suppose, I guess, fit those system fit Miami's needs uh, and then just figure out the extra stuff. So the shooting can really come with a lot of those guys you're throwing out. Like I know some of the names, like the Grant Williams thing, I know is a little bit more difficult because you mentioned the contract thing, but like a shooter of that caliber or, or like the Tory Craig's of the world or those type of PJ Washington's of the world that can just provide a little bit of shooting. Uh, The Jared Vanderbilt one's weird because you're not getting the shooting, but I just really like Jared Vanderbilt as a player. And I feel like I don't know who would value him more than Eric Spolstra. Like the ways that he would use a Jared Vanderbilt type within his system, defensively rebounding, like the, the, we talk about a big, that guy would be probably as much of a center on this team as Bam is probably when, if they got him on this, on this team, that's how much they would utilize in that way. So he's interesting. So, uh, definitely, I think it's more of like the the four that can probably ideally play some five, not five in the NBA, five in a Miami Heat jersey because that's obviously a different level. But I, I think that's kind of the ideal spot.
0: Jaron Vanderbilt's in a weird spot because uh, I still don't know if that team is trying to compete or not, but it doesn't seem like he fits the timeline of where they're going. And, and just to close on this, and, and then I'll let if Greg has any final thoughts, he can jump in on it. Uh, One of the things that is going to be so intriguing about this, and and we've discussed this before, is that the league is a mess right now. It really is like when I had conversations with heat officials in the Bahamas in training camp, they were saying they thought there were 20 to 22 teams that were competitive for playoff spots. There are some teams that they didn't think would be competitive for playoff spots that are and there are also some teams we thought would be much better than they are and are not. Okay. I mean, the Western conference is flipped. Like there, there are, it's all over the place. Okay. As far as, and and now you've got, Brady and I have talked about this in the step pack pod, which is the NBA pod we do for fan sided. You've got Anthony Davis out for the Lakers uh, for uh, at least a month. You've got Steph Curry out. So those are, I don't think anybody expect the Lakers to be particularly good, but those are two teams that may not even, I mean, Golden State will probably make at least the play-in, but they're not going to be in the same spot they were in. This has given an opportunity for teams like New Orleans for, we said Utah should have dropped out by now. It hasn't completely happened. Minnesota, we just saw them. They're not as good as they were supposed to be, right? Uh, the Clippers can't stay healthy consistently, uh, you know, where they can really make a run. And and even in the East, the East is a little bit more true to form because now you're seeing Brooklyn emerge with Milwaukee, with Boston, Philadelphia getting healthier. The East is a little more what we expected. The West is such a mess. I don't know which of those teams are going to be buying, which of those teams are going to be selling. I don't think the Heat know yet. And that's going to lead to some players you didn't think would be available that are going to be available. It's also going to lead to some trades where maybe the Heat can kind of get in as the third or fourth team and pick up a guy who would be functional here. The good thing for Miami, and then I'll let Greg close. The good thing for Miami is once we get to the middle of January, if they're still like in the mix, okay? My understanding is they're not going all in because all in requires paying the luxury tax under any circumstances. They're not doing that, okay? I think I think the chance of them paying the luxury tax is like 10 to 15%. It's not going to happen unless they get a really big name, and I don't think that's happening. Uh, but I do think, okay, I do think... That they are committed to stay the hell out of the (laughs) play-in, okay? Like that's not a place that the Heat want to be. And I, unfortunately, if you're a Heat fan, if you look at the East right now, you look at Milwaukee, you look at Boston, you look at Cleveland, you look at Brooklyn now, and you look at Philadelphia. There are five teams there that I think are all going to be in the top six. To me, if you're Miami, your goal now really is to get the five or the six. It's just to stay out of the play-in, right? And even even to do that, to hold off in Atlanta, to hold off a Knicks, which wasn't they were not expected to be there. You need to make a move. And I think they know that, like, I think it would be humiliating for the Heat to be in the play in this year and possibly be one and done one game and out. Okay, if they're the eight seed, let's say uh, after they just won the East in the regular season last year and were shot for the finals. I I think that is that is not where they want to be. So I do think they'll make some kind of a move. To at least make sure that they stay above that level and that they can, can be competitive in a four, five, three, six matchup, even as the road team. Because we've seen they haven't played well at home this year anyway. Uh, so I, I feel
1: like th- there's not as big of a difference. Greg, I'll let you close it feels like we're trending in the direction of let's just be as healthy as we can be heading into a matchup that is not in the playing to your point. So it's all about getting, which right now there are two games, I think in the last column, uh, out of the six spot. So, um, they can get there pretty quickly. Uh, this is the 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 one thing I'll mention as it relates to Dwayne Deadman because we we keep talking about attaching him with Duncan Robinson for a larger upgrade. I just want to caution fans in thinking that that, that is gonna become something that uh becomes a viable option. Maybe it will come to fruition, but I doubt it, frankly. So I would more look at what Dwayne Dedman could fetch. And this is the other part of it that I just want to close with. You could look at younger players around the league, like uh, particularly guys that are in Detroit, like Isaiah Stewart or Sadiq Bay, who are on uh, rookie contracts that make less than Dwayne Deadman, And you could find ways to get guys like that. And instead of using picks, maybe your sweetener becomes a player that you're not going to move forward with, like a Max Struess, like a Gabe Vincent. And that'll tie into what we talk about on our next episode. Um, so I just think that there's more options than maybe we've given the front office credit for to do just what you're saying, Ethan. Not take the big swing to turn this into a a, a team that's going for a title uh, in a different form. Maybe that'll come this summer. For now, it's get, up, get an upgrade to get the hell out of the play-in.
0: Yeah, I think that's where they're at. And you mentioned it. Uh, our next episode actually would be the post game after heat Lakers. We don't know if LeBron's going to play by the way, because he's playing in Orlando and, and he doesn't always play these back to backs, particularly when the second night of a back-to-back is in Miami. So I'm not sure that uh, Alex Brady and Gad are going to be at that game. are going to get to see LeBron up close. Uh, but our episode after that, we are going to get into the Gabe and Max question because I, I, I think we went into the season thinking they would extend both of them. I don't think that's happening. I, I think it's maybe extend one of them. We're going to have a discussion about which one you would extend. And I'm with Greg. If you're not extending them, then make them available in trades because that, I mean, that there there is, I mean, if, if Gabe's the guy you're not extending, there's viability for a, you know, a backup point guard, you know, who can defend and can handle a little bit. And we saw at least until this season could shoot Uh, and for max, you know, a, a shooter who's, you know, shown some versatility, and was playing in the as a starter in the Eastern Conference Finals. So uh, we will get into the Max and Gabe questions. Thanks to Alex. Uh, thanks to Brady. Thanks to Greg. Thanks to our sponsor, c armstaffingcom Prize picks, use that code 5-F-I-V-E. F-I-V-E. Better Edge, use that code 5-R-S-N. Have a good night.
2: Thank you for listening to the 5 on the floor on the 5 Regional Sports Network.